Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. This morning we're dealing with, uh, with anger, and uh, we're going to read from Ephesians 4, verses 26 to uh, uh, 27. And uh, may the Lord uh, speak to you this morning. I got spoken to last week, particularly around genes. All right, 26 and 27. Here's the exhortation of Paul in terms of putting on the new life that you and I are meant to live in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this, here's the instruction. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. All right, don't let the sun go down. It's our message this morning. I'll be talking about dealing with anger. I think I might have uh, told this story to you before, but it's worth it because it's in the context right now. But when I first came here many, many years ago and took up a ministry role, my office was just right outside those doors where the cafe tables are right now. And one evening I was working a little late and the worship band was down here practicing. They were doing their thing. So I was doing a little bit of work. They were doing their worship. It's wonderful to do some work while there's worship going on in the background. Then I heard a couple of guys having an argument. The two worship leaders. You know, they were on that coming Sunday. And they're having a bit of a scrap. And the voices were starting to be raised. And I thought, I'm only new here, you know. And I thought, this is really interesting. Anyway, I just stayed where I was. Then the next minute I tell you, there's this big crash just outside my office door. And a fist comes through the wall. And one of the worship says, I can't stand that guy. That's what Christians are like. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Anyway, Luke is repentant and he's back on worship this morning. And we're very, very happy about that. To see the transformation in his lives. My goodness, actually, actually Luke, actually, you were fantastic. This I loved you. I loved, I loved your worship meeting this morning. Thank you, my friend. It was great. I just had, was carrying something and I really enjoyed it. But I tell you, I mean, you just don't expect it, do you? Particularly, I mean, not not to that extent, not not in not in, not in church, <laughs> and not from your worship leaders. I thought this is going to be a great Sunday. We're going to get this. We're going to get this sorted before they get uh, back on the stage. Anyway, you see, this is the thing about anger. It's it's often so wrongly motivated and uncontrolled, and it's such a powerful, powerful emotion that it can cause us to act irrationally and destructively. Isn't that true? All of us know what it feels like to be angry. And the capacity that anger has to actually, like, like take us over. I mean, you've ever been so mad that you've had to justify your words and actions by saying, I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself. Sometimes it's just kind of spontaneous. It just kind of rises up, you know, somebody cuts you off in the traffic and all of a sudden you find yourself, you find yourself mad. Even, even with a little trigger like that. It's a very interesting emotion. And the thing about anger is this, is that it doesn't need to be a destructive emotion. It can actually be a very helpful one. It depends how we uh, actually look at it. It depends on how that anger is directed. It depends on... Uh, how that anger is expressed, 
and it depends on how that anger is processed. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to have a little look at what the Bible says about actually dealing with anger. And I'm assuming that all of us have been angry, you know, sometime along the way, maybe even this week, maybe even this morning on the way to church. I'm not looking at anybody. But, you know, we all know what it is to be angry, and we know how it kind of gets away on us. And so we need to have a look at what the Bible says about managing this emotion of anger, because Paul says, don't be angry. And he says, especially don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so I want to share with you just three things this morning, which will help you process it. All right. So I hope you leave with something that's helpful and worthwhile. Well, the first thing we need to understand about anger is this, that it is okay to be angry sometimes. Verse 26, NLT, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Your American Standard Bible says, be angry and yet do not sin. So Paul is suggesting there that there is a way of being angry without sinning. In other words, anger is a valid and sometimes useful emotion. And even Jesus, who was without sin, had occasions to be angry. One of those occasions is recorded in John 2, verses 13 to 16, where on the day of the Passover, Jesus goes up to the temple. Now, you can imagine everybody's coming from everywhere, all the proselyte Jews. I mean, there's the locals and there's those from the surrounding regions and other Jews are coming from all around the world. They're making this pilgrimage to Israel you know, for the celebration of the Passover. And it's a very, very busy thing. It's a little bit like the Howick Market, except maybe a lot bigger than the Howick Market. <laughs> but the same sort of buzziness is there. And the entrepreneurial types are taking advantage of the Passover, using it, this religious festival, as an opportunity to actually make some money. And so they've set up all of their tables with all of their, you know, the, their things. Well, when I say things, I'm really talking about animals, you know, sheep and goats for the purposes of sacrifice, and, and the money changes were there so that the... You know, people coming from other places could exchange their money into the, into the shekel and pay the temple taxes and, you know, do the purchases and all of this kind of thing. And this is happening in the, in the temple. And Jesus goes into the temple and he sees what's happening and he is filled with anger on that occasion. And so what he does, though, is this. He observes what is taking place. And while he's observing this, he's giving some consideration in terms of how he's going to manage it. Meanwhile, shaping up a, a whip by binding some ropes together. And so when you see Jesus get angry, you will realize that his anger is always intentional. It is never overreactive. It's not an emotional eruption. He very carefully goes about then making the point he wants to make in quite a dramatic way, but not with a dramatic emotion. And the Bible tells us he gets up with the whip and he turns over the tables and he whips the animals, the sheep and the goats out of the temple, chases everyone out of the temple with this zeal for his father's house, 
And he cries out with a loud voice, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Because it was meant to be a house of prayer, not a place for people to make money. And so Jesus was stirred in his anger by the misuse of the temple. On another time, Jesus became very angry at the hypocrisy of religious leaders. In Luke 13, verses 10 through to 17, it tells a story where Jesus heals a woman who had been bent over uh, with a spirit, I think, for, for 18 years. And he heals her on the Sabbath. And the Jewish synagogue leader takes umbrage at this and says, you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing any kind of thing or any kind of thing that looks like work on the Sabbath. And then Jesus got angry at that particular response. And he says to the synagogue leader and the other leaders standing around, he says, well, you will untie your donkey and you'll take your donkey to the well for a drink, don't you? You hypocrites, he cries out. He's angry about this. He says, isn't it right that she be released? Even on the Sabbath, and the word says this shamed his enemies. You see, in the first instance, Jesus' anger was stirred by the misuse of the house of God. Wrong things taking place, you know, in the temple. On the second occasion, Jesus is really angry because there's a legalistic application of law by religious leaders being elevated above God's love and compassionate response to human need. And so those things made Jesus angry. But there's a distinction between his anger and the sinful anger that we often find ourselves falling into. And it's very important to understand these distinctions. Firstly, Jesus' anger was not from self-interest. Now you think about it. You think about the times you get angry. Think about the last time that you got angry. The things that stir us up to sinful, angry responses are usually always selfishly motivated. You may feel that they're justified, and they may be justified, but they will still be selfishly motivated. Your anger will be. What about me? What about my demands? What about my rights? What about my way? What about my need for going to say? What about my interests? What about my feelings? See, our, our anger is so stirred by self. Jesus' anger was directed towards wrongdoing and injustice and the abuse or hurting of others. When you think about Jesus' anger, Jesus' anger was directed towards the right things. His anger was aimed at whatever interfered with love. I love that. You've got to, if you're going to be angry, let it be angry towards those things that interfere with love. And so there is such a, such a thing as righteous indignation. And so here's the point about anger. Sometimes it is appropriate to raise the voice when things are just not right. 
But listen to this. That has to be done with the right motives, at the right time, in the right place, in the right manner, towards the right end, for a better outcome. That's the difference. And Jesus was always aiming for the better outcome. He was always angry at the right things. And he always expressed his anger in the right way. But, of course, the challenge for most of us, though, is dealing with our own sinful anger and all of the destructive consequences that result. And so how are we to deal with that? We know that it's okay to be angry, but Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So if you get angry, the point is this, don't sleep on it. 26b says that, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. There was a comedian, I think she's dead now, by the name of Phyllis Diller, who interpreted that scripture to mean, never go to bed mad, stay up and fight. (laughs) So sinful anger has to be properly resolved in some way. Otherwise, it just goes deeper inside and things start to get worse. Someone said anger is an acid that harms the vessel in which it is stored more than it harms those upon whom it is poured. Most of us will understand that suppressed anger detrimentally affects our well-being emotionally, physically, and relationally. That's scientifically proven. And so we understand then that it's better to get anger out than to keep it in. But our idea of letting anger out is to vent it in some way. But Proverbs 29 verse 11 says this, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. We tend to vent our anger foolishly in two ways. Firstly, verbally. In the heat of anger, we are very adept at slaying one another with our words. We're very good at cutting one another down. Isn't that true? We know how to do that. We're skilled warriors when it comes to the fight, when it comes to expressing our anger and wielding the weapons weapons of anger. One of those weapons is words, and words are very, very powerful. Here's what the Bible, Proverbs 11 verse 9, says about words. It says, with their words, the godless destroy their friends. With your words, you destroy your friends. With your words, you destroy your husband. With your words, you destroy your wife. With your words, you destroy your children. Your words of anger. That's how powerful that they are. This is what James 3 verse 6 says about the tongue. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, but it is set on fire by hell itself. So be careful when you express your anger because it can be corrupted and be corrupted by hell itself. Now, it's a good thing to get things off your chest. But let me just say this. It may make you feel better in the moment, but it will be the dark cloud of smoke in your tomorrow. (laughs) So verbally expressing your anger does not release it. It just compounds it. Now, we've got to understand this because we think that's what we're meant to do. 
Even sometimes modern psychology will tell you, vent your anger. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, no, don't vent your anger. You can be angry, but there's a way of dealing with it so that you do not sin. And one of the ways of dealing with it is not to vent it. The other way in which we deal with our anger is violently. See, punching a wall or slamming the door are violent expressions of anger. If only it was just a wall or a door. Here's another comedian for you. A little angry with himself. Looks at himself in the mirror and says, you're just a fool. Then he hits himself in the mouth. Because no one talks to him like that and gets away with it. <laughs> Violent anger. <laughs> All anger expressed violently, whatever degree that is expressed, echoes the temper tantrum of a small child. That's in a reality. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, he says, When I grew up, I put away childish things. And so if you're in the habit of expressing your anger with violence in some way, even if it is just punching a wall or slamming a door, then understand this, that's a classic symptom of emotional and spiritual immaturity. And so anger expressed violently is never anger resolved, but it is only anger reinforced. And so verbal expressions of your anger and violent expressions of your anger are not the right way of letting your anger out. Ephesians 4 verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Now, there we are. We've got to get it out somehow. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to put it away, Paul says. So again, we're reminded that anger is not something that needs to be harbored. It is to be put away, and that is to be done today, not tomorrow, so that you end the day going to sleep in peace. So how do we do that? We do that this way. Don't let your anger out. Instead, let it go. Now there's a difference, and we'll have a look at the difference. Verse 27 says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So the danger of nursing your anger cumulatively, sundown after sundown, gives the devil a foothold. In other words, it gives the devil a place of occupation, a license, a legal right to begin to exercise influence and domination over your Life, in other words, demonic control and influence. This is one of the reasons why Paul is saying, look, don't hold on to your anger. You can be angry, but look, resolve it. Because if you don't resolve it and you sleep on it, the more you nurse it, the more you potentially open yourself up to demonic influence so that anger becomes part of who you are. And you are controlled by that demonic influence. And more people are controlled by a demonic influence of anger than you might think. So this is the danger of harboring it. 
And that's why it is that, you know, so many people always seem to be angry. I hope you're not one of those people. They're always acting their anger out, always making things worse for themselves and for everyone else. And Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, look, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. The poisonous root of bitterness springs from the seed of unresolved anger. It's a contagious thing. And it affects everyone around you with its resentment and its criticism and its cynicism and its irritability and its, and its hate. And this is where we get the term toxic relationships or a toxic environment. It'll be created by someone cowering the root of bitterness in their heart and spirit and having their whole demeanor, their whole personality dictated to, influenced by a demonic entity of anger. Incredible, isn't it? That's why we need to take Paul's warning really, very, very seriously. So we're to resolve our anger quickly so that this seed doesn't take root. So how do we do that? And I'm coming to that now. Well, it's not just a matter of like remaining impervious to hurt or offence. That might only be possible if you have the cognitive, emotional quotient of a slug, maybe. <laughs> Paul says, be angry, yet do not sin. So again, you know, anger is natural when you are threatened or you're hurt in some way. But again, let me reinforce the idea that it doesn't need to lead to sin. There's some way of feeling the pain, but processing it for gain. Your anger can be used to become solution focused. It can be a helpful thing, a constructive thing not necessarily a destructive matter. So let me suggest to you two healthy ways to deal with anger. The first one is by diffusing it. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers fear. One person's sin starts the fight, the other person's sin continues the fight. <laughs> Each time we retaliate, anger is escalated. If you don't want the anger to escalate, if you don't want it to get out of control, you respond with this, you know, this soft answer, <laughs> a gentle answer. In other words, in the moment, you choose your response carefully. And what you do is you work to tone things down, not wind things up. In other words, you seek to be interactive, not reactive. And even if you need to speak in the situation and you're going to speak words, sorry is not a bad word if you carry responsibility. <laughs> wind it down. Tone it down. Proverbs 17 verse 27b says this, a person with understanding is even-tempered. So an understanding person is even-tempered. Why? Because they see things from the other's perspective. And they respond appropriately, empathetically, calmly, considered, 
and control. Now, these are the biblical ways. Well, this, that's one of the biblical ways of dealing with anger. You're even thinking right now, man, this is just a darn possibility. But this is, this is what the Bible says. This is how we're meant to actually be doing this. The first thing is by diffusing it. The second one is by dismissing it. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of triggers that can make us angry. It's really interesting, you know, when you are angry, sometimes it's not even the context of the situation that is making you angry. It's something that you're carrying deep inside. And a hurt and pain stored way back in your memory bank <laughs> triggers the emotional response. You're reminded of something. Very interesting, that. One of the worst ways in which we are made angry is when we're deceived by those we love and those we trust. I wonder if you've been there. Probably all of you have at some stage, or rather to some degree. We can so deeply feel the loss and the disappointment of those unmet expectations. The hurt can really make us feel angry. Now, there's only one way to actually overcome hurt like that, and that is by forgiving. That's what I'm meaning when I'm saying dismiss it. Matthew 6, verse 14a says, Forgive those who sin against you. Forgive there, in the original language means to look, lay it aside. Put away. There's those words again. You know, put it away. Yield it up. Dismiss it. And since most of our anger involves hurt caused to us by others, forgiving others is foundational for processing anger in the most beneficial way way. So forgiveness, let me talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is about the letting go of being the judge with a grudge. It is giving up all of the negative emotions that are eating you up on the inside. It is also giving up the desire for payback, which sinful anger always demands. And saying that I don't want to Think that forgiveness means that you've always got to give that someone entry back into your life. It doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean is letting go of the power that they actually hold over your life. There's a difference. And so Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Stop being angry. Turn, turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. And like I said before, that's so far easier said than done, but it is to be done if you don't know real freedom. And so when I'm putting this again, I'm thinking about it, how on earth do I find the strength to diffuse and dismiss anger with the help of heaven? Yeah, come on. Ephesians 4, verse 23 to 24, back before Paul gives the instruction to be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your anger, he says... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature to be like God. Now, you, you look at that. There's a command there. Look, put on the new life. Put on the new, new nature. That's a decision made by you. It's a decision that should be made every day. In fact, it's a decision that is made throughout the day. Because Galatians tells us that there is a battle going on continually. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. 
And in every given moment, every given day, there's an opportunity for us to either yield to the control of the spirit or give in to the flesh. And that applies to the whole matter of the emotion of anger. And so the way to process anger properly, obviously, is to deal with it quickly. But to deal with it in the right way. But in being unable to do that, you have to submit your anger in obedience to Christ and let it become an opportunity then for the Spirit to work in you to begin to bring forth transformation in terms of your emotional and spiritual growth. Because when you think about the fruits of the Spirit, you'll find the fruits of the Spirit talk about things like peace. And gentleness and goodness. Things like self control. And so, all of those things are the manifestation of the new life of Christ that is in us. And that is what Christ is seeking to produce in us. And so, we can use anger as a constructive thing as a way of showing us and revealing to us or giving opportunity to us to allow Christ to bring forth his nature in us as we deal with it and as we seek to process it. So the whole point is, anger is a very, very, very powerful emotion. It can be destructive or it can be constructive. But it really comes back to you and the decision that you actually make around it. You have to get your anger out. But dealing with anger without sinning is not to let it out, but to let it go and to let God in. There's a difference. Let it go. Let God in. Because you won't be able to let it go unless you let God in. If you don't let God in, you just find yourself letting anger out. And probably not in a very healthy way. Let me just recap those three things for you. How to deal with anger. It's okay to be angry sometimes. If you get angry, don't sleep on it. And then finally, don't let your anger out. Let it go. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.